The following is brought to you with no commercial interruptions. Listen now. Were you planning on going to any of the um, the shows um, on this part of the tour, or were you waiting to you know hear them getting out for a second leg? Um, yeah, I didn't have any money at the time, so I was just like, ah, no, I can't, I can't do it, and I can't, uh, yeah, spare it right then, you know. And, and then, a- like the week after, it's like, oh, hey, got my taxes now, great. <laughs> yeah. And it's tough too, because, you know, when they're not playing, um, you know, necessarily within, you know, reasonable distance, if it's not your hometown or a reasonable driving distance, you know, you pretty much have to travel and fly. I mean, it's, I was taking advantage of opportunity to do, um, Nashville and St. Louis, but it's not like it was a, you know, Hey, I can just roll out of bed and get there. (laughs) That's a a planning thing, but you know, those things can be fun, but at the same time, it's, you know, it's nice when you're able to, um, you know, maybe drive 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes <laughs> and not have it be such a huge, uh, endeavor. But, um, I've been fortunate enough to be able to do, especially early on. I had the the fortune of seeing a lot of shows in the first few years that I saw them, but mm-hmm. uh, the way they tour now, it's, it's not super easy to get there. You got to really pick your spots. Yeah. It, it really depends on where you live too. I mean, they'll have stuff clustered around yep. certain areas and stuff like that sometimes. Yep. Yeah, because the, the closest one that they were doing would be uh, Oakland for me. And um, the lo- the last time I saw him was in Oakland. And I just drove down there. Like, I think I drove down there after work or something like that and saw oh. them and then, you know, drove back that night and had to work the next day or something. So it's not, it's, you know, like a three-ish, three, four-hour drive. Yeah. So it wasn't like too, too bad, but it was you know, X number of years younger than, so. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's about what it is to do, um, to do MSG. And I was going to do that again. The last time I did that, um, was 2008 Mm -hmm. when they played at MSG and I was, I was already, already living up in Albany at the time. And, um, so I drove down and drove back after that show. And that was kind of crazy. It's a, you know, good two hour, two and a half to 45 hour drive. And, um, I'm not going to do that again. I'm definitely going to try to sleep somewhere yeah. if it was something that I had to be back for and just wake up early and drive. Cause I can't do that anymore. I can't do the driving from 1130 until two, two thirty in the morning. That's just not, it's not in my cards. Yeah. Well, I'll be driving straight up in the afternoon and be like, Oh man, I'm so tired from driving. Oh gosh. I got to stay <laughs> awake. What's going on? I hear you. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 9 of the Better Band Podcast, an all-encompassing trip through the Pearl Jam catalog. I'm your host, Brandon Palomo. Each episode, my guest and I go track by track through every album, soundtrack, and single to discover why you simply can't find a better band. Welcome back to the Better Band Podcast. This is Brandon. I'm the host. And over there is Patrick Bogle, the guest. Hola. How are you doing? I am doing well. Today, as we continue through No Code, we have the song Present Tense. Song that uh, Mike pretty much wrote the music for and Ed wrote the lyrics. 
And as you are flipping through your artwork in no code, it is a Polaroid 8C or 80. You've got a typewriter keys on one of them, and on the other one, there's a yellow things with black spots. It's maybe a banana, probably. Yeah, I think so. Or two bananas. I was when I first saw it, you know, I always for the longest time I thought it's like, oh, it's kind of like one of those like. I don't know about a moray eel, but it kind of reminds me of that or some kind of because mm. the just the the shininess it kind of had to it. But maybe it's just the Polaroid that makes it look shiny. What's the joy of this album artwork? There's a couple of things where you look at it and you're just left flipping it around and over and turning and like, what exactly is that supposed to be? Some are clearer than others. <laughs> yeah, is it, and, and, and is it that way because it's... Uh, just trying to be arty and stuff or is it just because um polaroids can't really focus and so they just suck at taking pictures i think it's going to go the latter on those i think uh the the beauty of the polaroids and the uniqueness of the polaroids are are such that they're they're great and they're fun but um they don't they do not render detail yes strictly strictly convenience or for exactly. uh, taking pictures that you uh, don't want other people to see when you get them developed, I guess. Right. <laughs> for those of, for those of us old enough, I guess. Um, yes, when you when you flip over the Polaroid two, there's no lyrics on it, but um, he's pretty much singing real clearly, so you can understand pretty much everything that uh, that he's saying, or at least you get the uh, pretty good gist of it. And uh, this also isn't to be confused with the Radiohead song off of Moon-Shaped Pool, also called Present Tense. I've never actually listened to that one. I really fell off with my Radiohead listening after after Kid A, and I don't, again, have much good reason for that because I like them mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot. Uh, but for some reason, after Kid A, I kind of just drifted away from those guys. So that's interesting. I've actually got to go listen to that. Yeah, um... Moonshape Pool is uh, is a really good album, and so was the um, one before that. Uh, what was it? The one that they had just like as a download sort of thing. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Um, oh no, In Rainbows. Yeah, In yeah. Rainbows was real good too. Yeah, actually, that one I I wasn't as into it as I was with um, the previous few, but uh, I actually did have that one as well. That because that's the one that came out in 2003, right? Um, yeah. Is that right? No. Uh, yeah. Hail to the Thief was 2003. Ah, uh, yes, correct. Never mind. Got that backwards. Hail to the Thief was, was one that I also listened to a bit. Um, and so we got this uh, song, this real, I guess, uh, emblematic or of their sort of shift into the weird, not, not weird, but the different sort of... Uh, of avenue that they started to travel down towards with uh, epic sounding songs, dynamic and epic, where you got you have in my tree, I think also in that category, and uh, probably better man, I think maybe what is the uh, a little precursor to that, but they'd you know continue that on with uh, giving a fly and other stuff as they would go through it, and you kind of go up and down, and it takes you places, it travels, and. You, you you take a you take a trip you take an all-encompassing trip oh hey <laughs> you do take an all-encompassing trip which is a, a great lyric and i wish that it's one of my things that i wish about this song that uh, especially when he does it live i wish he wouldn't change the lyrics as much as he has but um yeah the, the dynamics of the song are are 
super interesting because very rarely do you have a Pearl Jam song that goes through basically four verses with really not really a chorus and just goes into this like crazy Mm -hmm. chaotic sort of tension built um, jam and then, you know, comes out into this quiet sort of serene ending to sort of balance out the beginning where, where they start. But this is an unusual stru- song in terms of the structure. Um, there's not many like this in their their catalog. Uh, they don't, I, I wouldn't say that they adhe- adhere always to a, you know, very strict structure, but this is this one stands out as very different. And back to that lyric too, um, there's a book that came out also called uh, All Encompassing Trip by Jason Lung a couple of years ago. Yeah, they, they was uh, about the uh, traveling on the 2005 Canadian tour and the 2006 world tour for mm-hmm. um, self-titled Avocado Pearl Jam, if you will. So yeah, that's a that's that's an interesting tale. Um, that was an interesting time. I actually got to go to a couple of the Canadian dates in 2005. That was a that was an interesting jaunt that went on there. You picked this song. We've got it here. Um, have you seen it live? I have uh, several times. And most recently was in London, Ontario in 2013. They opened the show with that. And so I was actually just digging through that the other day because I was looking at this and I was trying to look at all of and listen to back to a couple of live versions because i really this i this is one of those rare songs of theirs i love the studio version and i consistently go back whether i play it on cd or through my iphone or whether i'm listening to it on my lp but um it's it's one of their studio tracks that i feel like gets the song Mm -hmm a little bit better than they've ever managed to live. That's not to say that there aren't good live versions. And also, this is also just my take. So, you know, everybody out there who loves this live, don't go crazy. Um, <laughs> it's just, I feel like the, the dynamics of the song and what, you know, what they're trying to present um, in with it I, has always sort of come across better in the studio take, but there are a few live versions that I do like, I feel like they played it at its best, probably, in the 1998 to 2000 tour time. And then sporadically, there's some ones that I'll go back to here and there um, over the years. And there are, unfortunately, there's not a ton of versions where um, Jack is drumming on this if it's not the No Code tour, because they they didn't, I'm pretty sure they didn't play it at all when they were yeah. in um, the early part of, yeah, that early part of the Yield tour in 98, when they were in uh, Australia and New Zealand, they didn't play it at all on that part of the, the trek there but there's a couple of good ones from 96 they played it at randall's island on night two and i was fortunate enough to be at both of those shows um and that this was like way towards the end of the set on night two that they played it i mean i, I think at that point it might have been the second yeah second to last song before they played yellow Ledbetter. it was the 31st song of the night and it had gone on way 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 deep into the evening <laughs> and the other one that i've always listened to from that era was the barcelona show i really like the overall the sound quality of that audience tape is really good um but present tense from that is is really good i think a lot of people would be familiar with it um from that tour if, if they're bootleg fans most people have their hands on that berlin show and that's a pretty good a pretty good take on the song as well from other live ones like that are sort of um, historically, probably maybe a little bit overlooked, but interesting. Um, 
the version they played in Charlotte in 2000. So that would have been um, August 4th. There's another show that I was at. I got to go down to a couple of shows in North Carolina at the beginning of that tour. It was obviously, you know, shortly after the um, the tragedy at Roskilde. And, you know, the that that's one of the ones there's there's a there's an interesting dynamic there i think ed says at the beginning of it he's like this is one that we don't play very much um but he says something about needing to hear it i need to hear it you can hear him as he's kind of walking away Mm -hmm. from the microphone yeah all right this next one uh we don't play that often and um it's uh Tonight, I just, it would be good just to hear it. Um, I need to hear it. So it's, uh, it's called Present Tense. That was an interesting time, obviously, for those guys, um, you know, in terms of dealing with the, the aftermath of that. But um, that's a, it's a, a well-played version um, of that song. And I always loved those 2000 bootlegs. Brett Eliason did a great job, especially on the... Um, two North American legs. He really mixed those in a way that's very, very dynamic and um, just has a richness of sound that not every not every bootleg series has come across the same. Some are better than others, in my opinion. Those ones are really good. Yeah, those were, I think, the... Were those the only ones that were actually pressed on CDs and not just burned, or did they start doing that afterwards, or...? It was... Um, 2003 was also... Um, okay. pressed on CDs but then th- so like so yeah the 2000 the 2003 tour they did that and then 2005 there was no CDs originally that was all MP3s which was a total bummer they've since gone back and put those out for download on Nugsnet um, which is great everybody should go get those um, and 2006 was the first time they did it directly through Pearl Jam um, with the downloads for um but there were no CDs. It was like you got all of the stuff to make the artwork yourself. Yeah, to print it out by yeah. yourself or whatever. Yeah. And uh, then 2008, they had that weird thing with Verizon. It was like you could pick it up after the show or something, like something bizarre like that. But ever since then, it's been pretty much the um, either digital downloads or CDRs. How many, how many of those uh, 72 bootlegs, when they came out with it, did you get? <laughs> I had quite a few because um, I was at that, that time I was like heavily involved in tape trading, CD trading. Um, so we had a, a group on uh, a Yahoo trading group that I was involved in. Yahoo for all you people out there. <laughs> it, <laughs> it was amazing that uh, we there used to be little sub communities on Yahoo, uh, but such that there was. And so what we actually did was we grouped together and, um, you know, probably had like I can't remember eight or ten people and everybody um, sort of signed up to buy a certain number of the shows and then we agreed that to make copies I'm sorry to Pearl Jam and to everybody <laughs> about that um, but you know it was 72 shows it was a lot to to buy so we we all we all did buy them and then we just shared them so we we're just being a community yeah, um, but I probably jam, right yeah, yeah you said something like that and something Yes, but I think probably I've got like of the 2000 tour between the Europe and two U.S. North America legs. I think I probably got maybe 15 to somewhere between like 15 and 18 of the shows because um, I bought quite a bit of 
like even after the fact, if I really liked one, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I want to get that one on CD. So over the years, I picked them up like Vegas. I didn't originally have, um, but then I saw it, um, you know, at a used record store for like, you know, 10, 10 bucks. And I was like, you know what? That's a great show. I just want to have it on CD. So I picked up a couple over time, but I still, again, like I said, I, I do find that if, if I, if I found copies, um, in good condition of those, those would be ones that I would probably seek out and buy. Cause I do like the way those ones sound particularly. Yeah. I was working at a uh, Best Buy at about that time. So I got a, you know, store discount. So <laughs> uh, yeah, there yeah, you I go. picked up uh, quite a bit. I didn't get all of them and I was, I didn't want to get all of them. I just would look at, uh, I think they had the, uh, the concert chronology up at that time. And so it looks like, okay, what do they do? Like a cover? what's a cover that I haven't heard or whatever. It's like, okay, I need that concert. It's got a cover. Oh, this one has an improv. Oh, got to get that. And just try to get ones that haul all the weird stuff. And then the, the, uh, what was it? I think just two shows that I went to that year, two or three shows. Yeah. I usually was, I tried to, I tried to get ones where a, I was tried to get ones where I was there. Um, I was, uh, I arranged the the trading group, so I didn't feel guilty about this at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there were some people that uh, that maybe went to the same shows as I did, but I was like, you know, for the Jones Beach shows, I was like, I, I want to have the actual copies of these, the originals, and um, I split the ones for the North Carolina shows because I had went with a good friend of mine, um, so he got the Charlotte one. I bought Greensboro. And then at Saratoga up in, uh, which is actually not far from where I am now. It's about 40 uh, minutes north of here. Um, had that one from um, from that 2000 tour. Um, anyway, oh, yeah, we're talking about present tense. <laughs> we have to, are you saying we have to get back into the present tense? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Just go like, oh, hey, oh, yeah, we're talking about, what, 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 what's this uh, What's this episode about? What are we doing? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's that's... a little trip. Just... You know, it's just a little trip down memory lane, which, you know, you can get stuck in redigesting past regrets. And so look at this. I am so good at this, Patrick. You brought it right back in. I can bring it back. It's all part of the conversation. You see, this wasn't a a detour. This was all planned. This is all scripted. Exactly. Exactly. So this song is sort of a... A, uh, a, uh, a marker of emotional maturity, I think, that uh, is not, is, I don't know, maybe shows where the band is at the moment where, you know, you're, you're young and you're, you know, rock stars or whatever. And then, you know, you start getting older and you've been dealing with everything. And I mean, even if you're not a rock star or whatever, you know, you're young, you think you're invincible or whatever. You think life has no consequences or whatever. And you start getting older and you're like, huh. Maybe I can't live this way my whole life, or it's sort of, I think it's, it's touched on too in the line from Love Boat Captain, uh, wisdom that the old can't give away, sort of, you know, the way that you think about life is directly responsible for how you see life and how you see the world and everything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, when we talked about corduroy for Vitology, this is like the sort of the 180 to me for, from that song where that was the, what is going on? I can't handle this. This is nuts. This isn't what I wanted. Um, this present tense is much more of the sort of the relenting and accepting and relaxing into 
what you can control in reality. And they do it in a really sort of interesting way. I mean, the, you look at the beginning and and the just even the the, the subtle guitar part that um, Mike McCready plays in the intro while Ed's you know singing over that really speak singing over it because he's very 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 lightly with the vocals in the beginning stages of the song um it comes in with so much more of a sort of a calm brightness and you don't get that a little you get a little bit of dissonance into that second um verse where mike goes from playing um you know single note um sort of melody under what ed's singing or harmony under what ed's singing to um a much more you know sort of like dissonant chord for that second verse mm -hmm. and then the third verse you get that slight entrance of more tranquility with and um when stone gossard comes in with i think it's actually a mix of probably doing that two-tone guitar that he has it sounds um acoustic but then he actually i think when they get deeper into that verse i feel like he is actually playing acoustic um for part of it so it's yeah. such the, it's such an interesting progression, and it's almost like the the music behind the words and, and the ideas of this are are very very you know well thought out. I think I don't think that they I don't think that they just sort of haphazardly came to this. I think you know, Ed, Ed often talked about how he listened to Mike playing this, and he was looking for words, and he was looking for words, and he says this a bunch of times. It's it's almost semi-ridiculous how many times he said this on a bootleg in 1996 where um he thought of pete townsend and he took his initials he just kept saying you know pt and then turned it into you know the thought on this oh yeah yeah um which is really ultimately very interesting you know like to like finding something to you know get him uh zoned in on what he wanted to say because you could tell you definitely could tell from the way he would talk about this how sort of impassioned he was with what Mike had written and how he was like, I've got to figure something out here. There has to be something that I can get lyrically that makes this work. And I think he, I think it, it's again, to me, studio wise, this is some of the best work that they've ever done. I think it, like you get at that progression of the song, as I said, when you get through the like verse to verse and then it really that final verse as you get into that sort of charge of energy where he vocally ramps things up and there's that tension that's there and it's describing sort of the, the emotional roller coaster that people have when you're trying to find that center when you're trying to find that you know guiding point and trying to live in the moment versus looking back being dragged forward and then in that build of that elongated sort of cacophony of sound that jam sequence that they have where there there's like utterances and sputtering going on and vocally in there which kind of gives you the feeling of like all of the different things that life throws at you and then they still as that crescendos and comes out and then it goes into that really really interesting just you know subtle wave out from that chaos it's almost like calm after the storm you hear like that last relenting thunderclap out of that jam and then all of a sudden it's like then you're hearing almost like the subtle raindrops the storms passed and you're able to look outside and be like oh it's just raining a little bit and it's much more you know at that point you know that calm that sort of center is as has found itself that's the way i always kind of took the song it was really this is yield before they they labeled an album yield he was really giving giving in to being as present 
and in the moment as he possibly could and not worrying about all the, the crazy outside factors that can, you know, distract you. Yeah. It's kind of brings the, uh, the visuals in my mind of, I, I I don't know, it's probably some, I don't know if it's a movie or like a TV show or music video or something like that, where there's like somebody who's trying to fight through a crowd or something like that. And they're just like trying to just get through something and then, or they're, they're running through a dark hallway or something like that. And then finally get to a door and push it open. And there's just, you know, it's all bright and it's a, a field and it's just sort of, okay, you're, you're free now. There's like nothing, you know, back there anymore. You know, you're, you're here now. And so, you know, you're, you, you, you had to travel through the past to get through you to get to where you are now. But I mean, you don't have to stay back there. You know, you got all of this now and you should, you should enjoy it. Absolutely. Okay. It kind of touches Absolutely. on a, um, and a concept in uh, in cognitive behavioral therapy of reframing and just sort of how stupid that people's that, that, that the way people are made we're just meat machines and we've got this you know we've got this switchboard in our brains that that you know is is extremely fragile but then also superbly adaptable and I mean just and the way that you think about things and even the way that you speak, the language that you speak can alter the way that you perceive the world. And, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're colorblind or you have something happening with one of your senses, it's, you know, your senses are the only way that you can take in what the world really is. And, you know, even that isn't the whole of what the world is. And you can just change so many things by just changing the way that you think about things and the way that you let things affect you. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the line seems that needlessly it's getting harder. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's that, that element of like, how complex do you want to make a situation that doesn't need to be quite so, you know, quite so overbearing, you know, if they're, if you have to cross the street, do you have to overthink when you need to do it or do you have to look both ways and just do it um, and not, you know, not let anything really just weigh you down that doesn't need to be there, that doesn't need to be, you know, do you, you don't need to strive for things that are are not not necessary to get yeah. you from point A to B. You know, sometimes you have got to look for that that moment where you can just simplify and be unburdened you know a lot of the weight of the world that you feel is you know stuff you've picked up along the way that you refuse to let go of yeah it's it's the baggage that you carry you know it's things that yeah. you put on that you don't necessarily i mean it's certainly the those things those elements they 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 impact us and they make us in, in every way in every sense who we are but it's how you actually try to process those you know how do you what do you do with that information does it make you uh, does it give you clarity? Does it give you hope? Does it give you despair? Does it give you, uh, you know, does it give you anger? You know, hopefully it's clarity and hope. I mean, even in the worst of situations, uh, you hope that the way that you can actually process through that gives you a, a, a way to move forward without being weighed down, without, without bringing those past regrets. You know, that's, that's the thing that, that, that you want to strive for is to be yeah. more you've got to be more useful with your actions 
in every way possible. And it's not always possible. And I think that's the other thing that's beautiful about this song is that you still feel those tension moments, those things build up, especially in the way that they, they wrote the music for this. Um, and it's such an unusual, uh, uh, mix from, for all of the musicians. I mean, you, you think about this from the standpoint of there isn't, you know, this doesn't have that Mike McCready solo in it. Sure. There's some great, really great parts that he wrote and the music for this is fantastic but the solo in this song is jeff Amit. you know just sits under mm -hmm. there as a bass line and it's one of the greatest during that jam it's one of the greatest bass lines that he's ever laid down which is like yeah really i mean it's just like i love listening to that and, and thinking about that as it sits inside that because it sits inside that noise of the pounding of guitars on on both sides of um, from Gossard and McCready, and then in the in the center is this like really really thoughtful and 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 melodic bass line that is trying to guide you through that that part of the song that storm of the song and musically too it sort of is um, a precursor I think to some of the uh, the film work that Mike McCready ends up doing just he does a lot of sort of arpeggios and stuff like that and then also from uh mad season when you sort of started putting uh phaser or univibe like in everything <laughs> that you get this in there too oh yeah yeah this is definitely i mean the, the the writing for this is you can you can feel the musical connection between a lot of the the songs he wrote for mad season and also about this time uh roughly some of the stuff that he was would ultimately write with the Rockfords. I mean, that's the song, mm -hmm. the music for um, Fallen Down has a similar type of vibe-ish element to it. Um, and that's, I can't remember what the title of it is on that Rockfords record, but um, that's unfortunately probably why we haven't heard the studio version of Pearl Jam's uh, take on that because they did actually, they did actually release it uh, <laughs> under the Rockfords. So so much so much stuff so much knowledge here all these little hidden pearl jam nuggets there's too many nuggets there's too many hidden it never ends you could they could write like 40 of those pj20 yeah, books and there'd still be things where i'd be like oh wait what about this what about that it just keeps going and there's a lot of us that'll take it all and <laughs> say okay next yeah. one all right let's get it <laughs> absolutely i'll throw out one other unusual thing about the recording for this one Mm -hmm. And that is the use of a shaker and or egg. Oh, and yeah. I would love to know who it was that was actually playing that because it just it mm -hmm. sits in that uh, in the left channel as they go into the again to that sort of jam cacophony of sound going on there. But that just sits there riding pretty much the whole first half of that. It might it might even be in longer than that, but it certainly gets uh, drowned out um, as time goes on. But that is uh, I can't think of another mm -hmm. one where they've got shaker and or egg going on to that to that level i mean it is there driving the beat i guess it could be jack i don't think so though because that would mean that was like obviously a a part that came in and was done after he was doing the drumming but i, I don't know yeah, it's one of those stuff like that all the time it's, yeah doesn't have to all be right there live you know all right you put those little things in later just to do that he doesn't strike me as an egg guy, though. Somebody, <laughs> somebody, somebody else in there was like, "We got to have some shaker." Could have been Brendan O'Brien, like, oh, you know what? I got a fever. The only cure is mm. shaker." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Brendan doesn't seem like the guy that's. Uh, he would say, "I've got a fever, and let's cut that channel out." He likes to. He seems <laughs> like he's a little bit of a minimalist. 
but uh in terms of he 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 likes to to he likes to keep things focused so he's not one to he'll 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 leave the room when ed wants to do bugs let's put it that way <laughs> well is it leave or driven away <laughs> it's a little bit it's a little bit of both <laughs> or or yeah or ed saying uh, i have something that i want to do can you come back later yeah <laughs> i don't want anybody to see me doing this <laughs> my secret shame <laughs> Um, is there, boy, is there anything else about this? I mean, it's, it's, it's mostly just, I think it's, it's one of those songs where if you get it, then you get it. And it's like one of those songs that really, at least for me, that really does it for me. I think like this and in my tree are my, my always fighting for the top spot in, uh, in no code. Yeah. Def- I mean, this song is, I don't know, for me, I did the lyrics for this song probably are some of the, the most meaningful of the band's um catalog it's it it hits such a great spot it just hits that that element of uh of thoughtfulness of reflection of like dealing with with life in a way that they hadn't really put into their songs to this point um and i don't mean that despairingly because i love you know a a lot of the the stuff that's on those first three albums is what got me ultimately to no code but i think this record um and certainly i think this track um definitely is is hugely emblematic of that i would definitely agree also you know it's in my tree and present tense are always sort of battling um for my my mind share with this record but overall this is uh the the entire piece this is my favorite pearl jam record by far i mean i don't always go back to it um and i know that you know that there's other folks that are that weren't ever that struggled to get into it and you know, when people look back at it as they've come in over the years they you know, always will say to me, or I hear people say, like, I don't understand no code. I don't get it. And I, like, well, that's okay. You don't need to. I mean, there's, you don't have to get it. <laughs> you know, it's not like a secret club. If you don't like it, you don't, you don't, you don't have to like it. But I just, I always felt like this song was the cherry on top of a, a record to me that was so inspiring and so, so deep and so easy to go back to. I've never had a hard time connecting to it and never had a hard time going back to it. It's not one where I'm like, ah, I don't know. I can't. You need to be in a certain mood to listen to it. Yeah. This, I mean, it just, it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, a rainy day, a sunny day, a snowy day. um, If I'm driving in the car or if I'm camping or if I'm just walking around the house cleaning, (laughs) this is one that I, this this record i can always uh i can always get to and count on and i I, like i said this is one of the few songs present tense that i consistently listen to the studio track um and there's not a lot of them um that i do with pearl jam and i again that's more just because i happen to like i'm very into the the live aspect i love listening to their live shows but um this this is a song that like it just I can always find a second or a split second that I'm like, oh, I didn't quite hear that the first seven thousand times I listened to this song, <laughs> or however many it is that I've I've played it. I have no idea, but it's been quite a bit, um, and I I don't get bored of it. I don't get. I'm never n- never one to be like, oh, I can't listen to present tense right now. I got to skip that. Um, it's it. This is a, a one that is deep seated in terms of 
meaning and and overall a good sort of message in terms of you know how you can how you can get yourself grounded it's easy to be weighed down but it's a lot easier to discard the baggage and live in the moment yeah that's it's the first bit i think of of hope in their catalog there's you know a lot of angst and a lot of uh just kind of depression and just feeling bad and like this is like sort of you know there's they've had some stuff where it's kind of a little bit of humor or something like that or just kind of like what the hell is this <laughs> but then like this is like one of one of the the early sort of hey you know we don't have to we don't have to feel that way i mean there's times where it's unavoidable but you know you don't if it's not there you don't have to take it on yeah definitely i mean that's this there's no question to me i look at yeah i, I look at this as a a, a a the whole piece of no code i always took it as a meaning of there isn't any code there is no way one way to live <laughs> you know stop looking for meaning and i think that's the beauty of like the whole elaborate setup of it is like you pop this open you're like oh my mm -hmm. gosh what is the code there has to be a code <laughs> when you're when you're your younger self and you're getting it and you're seeing all of the the photos and the pictures and like what are they trying to say but i think i i took it sort of like as i started to di digest it i was like oh I get it. It's okay to be you. <laughs> you don't have to be something that you can't be or don't or pretend to be or think you need to be. You can you can be yourself. You can be you can spend your time living in the moment versus looking ahead and and or looking back. It's very Yoda of them. <laughs> Never your mind. I'm I'm not going to uh, have my Yoda uh, impersonation. <laughs> That's quite all right. I was. You're I'm not, not going to do mine either. But it's <laughs> even though oddly, that's I think one of the kind of voices that almost everybody can kind of do. Everybody can kind of do that <laughs> thing with their voice. And everybody can kind of get uh, real close to 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 making that voice. I mean, it sounds pretty close. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and, the, and I mean that's that's also not to say that um, I think if you need help, you need to you know if you if you can't do some things yourself, it, a lot of times if you're feeling you know bad or hopeless or something like that, like I said, it's it's just some little stupid thing in your brain that can can just ruin everything for you, and you know you might need help. You might need help with either medication or you know people trying to tell you the right things to think so that you're not you know always stuck in this too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's this is it's it's very very freeing mm -hmm. in a way, and it's it's very hopeful, and it's very much about not letting yourself get. It's not basically not letting yourself drown. You know, it's 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 yeah. it's the antithesis of a lot of the emotion and sort of turmoil and frustration that. That certainly had had peaked on some of the music in the, the second and third album for sure. I mean, not that that didn't exist in ten, but in ten they, at ten they were sort of like living that free sort of like they were in the moment there. You know, they didn't have any. There was nothing weighing them down at that point in time. But obviously, I think you know, there's no way to get around the fact when they went through for the next couple of records, there was yeah. an element of craziness, and this is this was their way of just saying we kind of we kind of let go we're going to we're going in a different we're going in a different direction and i don't think it was that drastic 
of a departure. I think it seemed like it was that drastic of a departure at the time. I think people were like, oh, but it's very, I don't know, maybe that's not the way, the way I want to say it. I find it to be a very accessible record, even though it's very different. I find it to be not that sort of off the beaten path. It's new. It's got different elements and different vibes in it for sure. But it's it's sort of, there's like a level of, and I, I give the credit to Brendan O'Brien for this, for the, it's, there's a sort of cleanliness and, and airiness and peacefulness about everything on their record. Even Lucan has like, <laughs> it's clear. It's not like, it's not harsh and it's not, it just has a, everything seems to have a, a, a through line from beginning to end and it's not um, chaos. It's an ironic in, in a way because when you hear the band talk about this, none of them seem to like recording this record. <laughs> they mm -hmm. all seem to, uh, to be like, yeah, we were on the road and it was bad and Jack helped us, but blah, well, you know, so, you know, a meant wasn't there for part of the recordings. Like when you hear them talk about it, it's so, it's so odd because it doesn't come off that way at all. Um, it just doesn't, it doesn't come off as a group that was still struggling to find themselves. It feels like, Hey, they found themselves, but boy, they, there's no question that they uh none of them felt that way yeah and i think like even now like a lot of them are, are kind of like ah, i don't know how people could think that this i don't know how people can have this as their favorite album because this was the one that we had the worst time uh, uh doing yeah i think that between the recording sessions and I, obviously i think you know for a band that prides themselves on their live shows they probably didn't have a really great feeling for going out and touring for this they played like 14 shows in North America and then maybe another 15 or so 16 or so in Europe, something like that. And that was kind of it, you know? So, um, I think it's, it, it's interesting in that respect. It's such a period of time that's, that's changed for the band, but, um, it's definitely very interesting that they don't few, very few of them talk glowingly about this period. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, you're, uh, your memories just uh, influence you so much, and uh, you know they uh, they form how you are. And like we said, and like the song says, you can keep redigesting Pastor Kratz. And I did it again, Brandon. For the <laughs> I'll go ahead and <laughs> toot my own it makes horn, bring sense. it all back around. Maybe they should re uh, rethink how this song is. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, <laughs> or this uh, this album. I think that I think that's the thing about this. This one ultimately became, for for better or worse, it became a fan piece versus a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah, and um, and again, that's like that. There's no, there's nothing wrong or bad about that. And um, again, to me, it's just a great song. It's a great record. It's a great experience, and it's it's one of the the best records to listen to front to back and immerse yourself in. And then even the weird ones, I know there's a couple of weird ones on here too, but, <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's a, it's like a good book and this is one of the best chapters. Yeah. For, for me, a lot of the, um, a lot of the music sort of, I associate with the colors from the album. So like 10 always kind of sounds like kind of purple magenta ish to me for some reason and uh verses always sounds kind of like that orange that the uh that the cd is and vitology always sounds kind of you know black and dark to me and then with no code 
just there's just so mm-hmm. much different colors that you, I can't really pin anything onto it. It just oh, it, it it's always kind of changing and it doesn't really have a set. I think color for me that's just the way the weird <laughs> the weirdness that I have. Yeah, that's a cool way to think about it. And it's, you know, I think that's the uh I think that's probably maybe why they went with the the artwork design for this rather than it being like so, you know, not that the others are straightforward, but generally when you have a theme and that a cover and it's kind of clear and this is like, here's 144 Polaroids. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like I said earlier, you, it's like you're looking at it and you're like, what is the code? What are you trying to tell me, man? Um, and you, as you break it down, I think it's like it comes back to that. It's like, what do you want to see in in one of these photos? Go see something. Does it inspire you? Does it make you think? Does it make you, you know, does it give you passion or does it make you curious or does it make you go, what in God's name is that? And why is it on here? (laughs) But it's, it's, I think that, that this was, uh, you know, to your point about colors, this is like, this is about less of a clear, there's not a clarity that they're trying to say here, especially with the, the whole package of it. They're not trying to be super clear with that. But I think when you put the whole package of the music together, it kind of gets clear. <laughs> if you if you give it a deep dive, if you're one of the people that listen to this record a lot, I think it's pretty clear what mm-hmm. they're trying to say. But that's just me. I think that uh, kind of goes along with uh, Socrates, or as us uh, Bill and Ted fans uh, know him as Socrates. Socrates said, uh, "The unexamined life is not worth living." So. You got to open your eyes and kind of think about what you think about things, maybe. Got to look at which way that tree bends. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can go on and on redigesting this song. See, I did it again. Yeah. And it's, I, I don't know if it's because of talent or because of skill or I don't know, just because... I I can't even really brag about myself that well. I'm not that good at it. So I I, I don't know what else it could be. But um <laughs> I'm gonna go with a mix of talent and skill. <laughs> talent and skill. Yeah, I've been doing this for, for so long and you know, it just I can't help it. But uh like I said, we can just keep going on and on about how how good this song is. And I think that people listening to this are or already know what they think about this song and know how how good it is and how it, how much it uh, it uh, it influences them and how much they they love it and everything like that. I think I think that we can we can close the book on this, right? Yeah. Go find some live ones. If anyone has some live ones that they really like that I didn't mention, uh you can yell at me and tell me about them. I'd love to hear them. And then uh enjoy it. Enjoy the song because it's it's a good one. Yeah. So uh as as we uh Prepare to shut this down. I've been asking people uh, what is something that uh, people should do to sort of spread kindness, sort of uh, impart a sense of humanity on other people to try to, I don't know, make people feel better or kind of try to make life better for for someone else. I'm going to say, you know, find something that... um... And I'm not, I don't want to be too generalizing or broad, so I'll, I'll give an example for me. But find something. Well, that my you, question is pretty damn broad, so no, I mean, no. you can take it either way. Yeah. Well, I think I, I, you know, you're 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 trying to get to the point of of what makes the the idea of living in the moment a better world to live in. 
So find something that you're passionate about. And when I mean passionate about, like I'm not find something that you're passionate about that makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and gives you a little bit of like, I feel good that I did that. Um, you know, it's something that I've mentioned before a group that my, um, my son was, uh, uh, participated in, um, for kids with disabilities that he was involved with it before he um, passed away a few years ago. And it's such a great group. They're high five sports. Um, so anybody happens to be around um, the capital region of New York, they can find that at high five sports.org. But there's tons of different opportunities uh, that exist out there. And I would just say find something that you are, you know, that makes you happy that makes your family happy that makes you and your friends happy and and do what you can to support that because um it's not a cliche that you know if you want to make big changes sometimes the best way to do that is you know to do little things in your own backyard um i think sometimes we proverbially shoot for the moon um and we probably can make bigger bigger changes or bigger headway for our own selves and for everybody by doing smaller, littler things that are tangible that we can touch. Yeah. The, the, I, I'm, I'm going to say another saying that, uh, kind of out there, I don't, I don't remember who it's from or if it's even attributed to anybody, but, uh, the fact that, uh, perfect is the enemy of good. You don't have to do something that, you know, is going to change the world. Sometimes you can just do something small and that changes the world for, you know, somebody else. Absolutely. It, it can mean the world to them. Absolutely. So um, you, you mentioned High Five Sports. Is there other things that you want to get out there for plugs for you or other stuff that you like that people should check out? The only other thing I, I'll say, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm hopeful that at this point, um, you know, the everybody's going to have an opportunity to make a difference uh, come November. And just think about what you're doing. <laughs> and when I say think about like, like think about it really like take, take some time to educate yourself on a lot of things and don't, don't be rash. Don't react to things, um, out of passion, read stuff, be, be curious. You know, I, I think one thing, I guess one thing I'll say, and it's, it's not really about me one or not really, um, about, um, small sort of tangible changes you can make, but you know, Find something that can help you get, you know, a little bit better informed about things. One thing I did a few years ago is I started listening to a bunch of different podcasts. One of them that I absolutely love is um, is Freakonomics because it it really talks about a wide variety of topics and exposes a little bit of our preconceived notions of what we think about how something should work and how it shouldn't. And I found it to be very sort of humbling because it made me... stop trying to pre-diagnose something that I couldn't possibly know about. (laughs) And I started thinking to myself, be a little bit more reserved before reacting. It's a little bit, it's it's, it's easy to say that we know the answer um, to something because we might be passionate about it. Um, But as best we can possibly do, we should try to make ourselves, challenge ourselves to inform ourselves about important things and information in a way that allows us to learn and be curious. And it's okay to not know. I think that's a great thing to, to try to do. It's okay to not, to not know something. And if you don't know it, 
you can just try to figure out by finding good resources to present you that information. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I guess I'll say one other thing. Sometimes unplug from if if you happen to be someone who is plugged into social media all the time. It's not a bad thing to sometimes get out of that realm because it can be a little bit weird and chaos inducing <laughs> and uh, and go, you know, see a concert, even a band that maybe is a tiny little band that you've heard someone talk about or go see a movie or go walk in the park. <laughs> um, do some things that take you away from that, some of that weirdness. And I think that um, or that shouldn't necessarily say weirdness because there's nothing ne necessarily weird about social media, but some of the times where that can be a little bit too all encompassing, maybe go and be experience a little bit of life. Yeah. It's not necessarily the real world. Yes. In there. Well, I'll go ahead and take your hint and, uh, <sighs> I get your dig. I know you're talking about me. Get offline. Stop making those uh, Gersberms memes. Okay. <laughs> no, those are funny. Those are great because that's 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 what that those that's what we should be doing in those areas. <laughs> when we when you're having like when you're having fun, that's a big difference than getting locked into loggerheads. Oh, okay. Like I'm really talking about. And I say this from experience because there was a point in time in my life years ago, and I'm happy to be away from it, where I got too much into the craziness of like trying to have online discourse. And, I, and it's, it's, it's the most useless exercise possible. Um, but on the flip side, I look at I don't I don't want to disparage the idea of connection because look at the conversation we're having right now. The people that yeah. we've both met and, and, you know, even though a lot of us haven't met in person at this point, but we still talk and converse and, and communicate. That's that's the upside of that environment is finding positive connections that you can find joy in. So that's an example of those channels aren't necessarily terrible. Um, it's but use them to their their best um, versus what could be their worst. Amen. Or. Amen. Or Ament. <laughs> Ament. <laughs> the Better Brain Podcast is produced by listenuprino.com and Brandon Palomo and published using a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 4.0 license. Please visit creativecommons.org or email listenuprino at gmail.com for more details. All music played is owned by the respective publishers, copyright holders, and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. You can subscribe to the Better Band Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or from betterbandpod.com using your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at betterbandpod. I'm on Twitter at Brandon P. B-R-A-N-D-E-N-P. If you like the job I'm doing here, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Brandon P and leave me a $3 tip or give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to tell your friends. If you would like to be a guest on a future episode, send an email to betterbandpod at gmail.com or send any insights and stories you'd like to share and I'll read them on the season finale episode. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Patrick, and as always, this is Brandon saying, Lisa, never ever stop in the middle of a hoedown. <laughs>